Swip, sliding away. Swip, sliding away. You know, the nearer your destination, the more you swip, sliding away. Paul Simon was a prophet. I live at the end of the Temple driveway. The nearest destination to me is Ruckman Park. It's a wonderful park with slides galore. And many times I'll take my two-year-old Avi to play there. And at first I would really do the work. Place him in the baby swing and push him. Hold him in the yellow ducky rocker and rock him. Move the tic-tac-toe pieces and entertain him. But then he learned to walk and then he learned to run. One day I asked him, you want to go down the slide together? And I'll never forget his answer. No, Abba. See you later, Abba. And he dashed over to the slide on his own. It's funny, but in that moment, it really hurt. <laughs> I felt pain watching him slip away from me for the very first time. Slip sliding away. I worried, but he's not ready for the biggest slide. Who's going to keep him safe if, if I'm not there? He still needs me to do things like tie his shoes, but he needs me less than before. He's moving farther away when I still want to hold him close. As Paolo Coelho says, parents rarely let go of their children. That's why their children let go of their parents. That moment paralyzed me because... For the first time, I knew I was losing control. For the first time of many, as all you parents know. Now I know what you're going through. Now I, too, am following in your footsteps of always worrying. I know it wasn't easy when you left your children at kindergarten for the first time. No longer do you spend most of your day with them. It wasn't easy when you left them at their first sleepover. No longer do you tuck them in every night. It wasn't easy when you left them at overnight camp for the first time. No longer do you structure their day. It wasn't easy when you watched them become a bar and bat mitzvah. No longer do you see them as a little child. It wasn't easy when you sent them off to high school. No longer are they dependent on you. It wasn't easy giving them the car keys for the first time. No longer do you dictate where they go and when, but you'll still pay the bill for the fender bender. <laughs> it wasn't easy dropping them off at college. No longer do you see them on a daily, even weekly, maybe monthly basis. And it wasn't easy leaving them on their own to find a job or a spouse. No longer are you the most important person in their life. I know that going on a slide ultimately is the least of worries. It's healthy, it's important for Avi to be independent. But that feeling of losing control was real and disturbing because it's the first chapter in a long book of parenting with less and less control. The slide is just the beginning. No, Abba. See you later, Abba. It's funny, but it really, really hurt. As I get older, I sense that I am gradually losing control, slowly but surely. And I know I may be younger than you, but as a father of two, I know what you might be going through. I'm old enough to think about these things and share my thoughts and reflections. First, I'm losing control of Avi. Though I still have a lot of influence, it's more hands-off than before. I'm slowly losing control of other things, and I bet you are too. 
We're back here again at Temple for the high holiday services, and things look and they sound the same. Same place, same prayers, same Torah readings, same clergy, mostly the same people around you, probably the same people at the holiday meals. But there's a big difference this year from last year. We're all a year older. In this past year, many of us have slowly lost a little control of our bodies. Our hair gets grayer, our skin softer, more wrinkled, our movements slower. We can't eat right, exercise by age-defying cream, even get plastic surgery, but they, they don't work. They just delay the inevitable. If this hasn't happened to you yet, surely you know a people to whom it has. You probably know a family or friends who have spent time in the hospital this year. You probably know of parents, grandparents, older friends who might be losing it. Maybe they forget more and more, like your name, who you are. Maybe they can't walk by themselves anymore. They're bound to a wheelchair. Maybe they can't take care of themselves anymore, and they have to move in with you or to a nursing home. As a rabbi, I visit people in the hospital frequently. Often the patient is aware of what's happening and takes no pleasure in it. Always, always, the family inside the room and out are equally somber and shaken. I know that's many of you. One physical challenge I face is that I wear hearing aids. I've been wearing them since age three, and doctors aren't exactly sure what happened. When I was younger, I was very conscious of them, largely because so many of my friends and classmates asked me what was in my ears. They weren't being mean, they just hadn't seen this before. My parents wanted the best for me, so they installed speakers in my classroom so I could hear better. But I didn't like it at all, because it just brought more attention on me and my hearing. Other kids made me acutely aware of my hearing aids and wish I didn't have them. I still don't hear quite as well as other people. And it is really uncomfortable at times to ask people to repeat, to repeat themselves once, twice, more. At the temple, when I speak from the bima and the sanctuary or the chapel, and people share their thoughts from the seats, I'm lost. I wish it weren't that way. It hurts to say, what? What? What'd you say? And it goes nowhere to pretend that I heard something we both know I didn't. I wouldn't wish them on anyone. But at some point, I stopped worrying about them. I realized that everybody has challenges, either external or internal, and this was mine. Then, I discovered hearing aids could actually be an advantage. <laughs> I wasn't bothered by the late night chatting in the camp cabin or that party down the hall in the college dorm, since I could just pop them out and go to sleep. And sometimes, when I'm ready to go to sleep and my wife wants to keep talking, <laughs> the conversation stops instantly. And now my jealous father-in-law wants a pair. <laughs> I also realized that it was a miracle, really a miracle, that I was born during the one sliver of history when my challenge could be solved by technology. What if I didn't have hearing aids? If I were born in any previous century, I would be basically deaf. 
unable to learn in school like everybody else. Thank God I have them. I mean that. Every morning we read an opening list of blessings called Birkot HaShachar. There's one blessing that says, Baruch HaTah Adonai Thank you, God, for creating for me everything I need. I think of my hearing aids. I thank God for my hearing aids, and I touch both of them, along with my glasses, to remind me. My attitude toward them has shifted from regret to opportunity to gratitude. I'm no hero for wearing hearing aids and living a normal life. I'm just like everybody else, dealing with the hand we're dealt. I know what you're going through. You hear what I'm saying? As we get older, we're also running out of time to reach our goals. The clock is ticking. The urgency increases. Maybe you dreamed of getting a certain job, and it's clear that if it doesn't happen now, it never will. Or maybe you dreamed you would live in a certain type of house, in a certain city with a certain kind of car, with a family that looked a certain way, but it hasn't happened like that. Becoming older always means being less in control of certain things. And sometimes the best thing for us to do is move on. Other times what's best is to focus on personal growth. In other words, let it slide, change the inside. What's out of our control we should acknowledge and move on. Let it slide. I'm not implying that we give up on these things. We still have profound influence on our children, our bodies, our futures, but they are not absolute. They're not entirely in our hands. We should do everything we can, but realize we can't do everything. The serenity prayer, not a Jewish prayer, but still instructive, gets it right. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Accept the things I cannot change. We have to let some things slide. It's not easy, but the sooner we acknowledge what we can't control, the more we will be at peace. Remember the second line. Courage to change the things I can. More and more things we cannot control. But we can always control ourselves. Change the inside. We control what we say, what we do, how we spend our time, what our values are, what relationships to pursue what lessons we want to share with our children, what kind of shape our body is in, what our resume looks like. Those are in our hands. When you combine great strength with motivation, you can succeed. Instead of spending time worrying about things you can't change, spend that time thinking about how to make yourself better. Let it slide. Change the inside. That's what the High Holidays are about, in my opinion or at least one of our most central prayers, which we just said, Unatana Tokev. We all know the prayers beginning because its chilling images are seared into our memories. On Rosh Hashanah it is written, on Yom Kippur it is sealed. Who shall live, who shall die? Who lives a full life, who dies too soon? Who dies by fire, who by water? Who shall rest, who shall wander? Who will be at peace? Who will be disturbed? Who shall have little? Who shall have much? Who will be humbled? Who shall be exalted? This prayer, I think, is a metaphor 
for all the things we cannot control. Things that happen to our kids, to our bodies, to our families, to our friends, our careers. We can't control or change everything because they're partially outside of us. Let it slide. The Unatana Tokev prayer continues, and this is the most important part. But teshuva, tefillah, tzedakah, remove the severity of the decree. Repentance, prayer, and charity. Change our fate, because we can change and do change ourselves. Change the inside. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, former chief rabbi of England, nails it, because he sees these as metaphors as well. He says, repentance is our relationship to ourselves. Prayer is our relationship to God. Charity is our relationship to others. In repentance, we look inward. In prayer, we look upward. In charity, we look outward. We should be honest in our relationship with ourselves, humble in our relationship to God, and generous in our relationship with others. Teshuva, we can change ourselves. Rabbi Abraham Tversky tells a story of an ex-convict in a halfway house who didn't see any future for himself outside of a life of crime or jail. His mentor shared with him the following. Have you ever passed by a jewelry store, taken a look in the window, seen the diamonds? Think about those diamonds. Try to think of what they looked like when they came out of the mine. They were just lumps of dirty stone. It takes a person who understands the diamond to take this shapeless mound and bring out its intrinsic beauty. That's what we do here. We look for the diamond in everybody. The ex-convict took a sign and hung it above his bed. After some time, mentoring, reflection, he successfully reintegrated into the larger community. He took a sign with him into his new bedroom. It said, diamonds polished here. Teshuva is the act of polishing our diamonds ourselves. Tefillah. We can change our relationship with God. You don't need a synagogue to pray. Just your heart. You don't need to know Hebrew to pray. Just your heart. You don't need to stop for an hour to pray. It can just take a minute. It's kind of like working out. You can do a seven-minute workout routine by yourself at home and get in shape. You don't need a gym or trainer. It is possible, but as we know, exceptionally difficult. Odds are you'll be in better shape the more you go to the gym, use their equipment, their trainers. Prayer is a spiritual workout. Like going to the gym, most people have richer prayer lives when they go to synagogue. Rabbi Sachs says, as the sea smooths the stone, so prayer gradually wears away at the jagged edges of our character, turning it into a work of devotional art. We come less to think of the I and more of the we, less of what we lack than of what we have, less of what we need from the world and more of what the world needs from us. Our temple is here for prayer every day. This is where we polish our diamonds. Tzedakah. We can change our relationship with others. There is a story told of Sir Moses Montefiore, the 19th century British-Jewish philanthropist who invested significantly in the Jewish return to Israel. And someone once asked him, Sir Moses, he's a very wealthy man, how much are you worth? And he thought for a while, and he, he gave a number. 
But surely you're worth, you own much more than that. With a smile, Sir Moses replied, you didn't ask me how much I own. You asked me how much I'm worth. So I figured out how much I've given to charity over the past year. Because we are worth what we are willing to share with others. Everybody has something to give, either money, time, or both. Teshuva, tefillah, tzedakah are the ways in which we change the inside. Be Zeusia. Zeusia was the pious rabbi who feared what the angels would ask him at the end of his life. He worried not that they would ask, why weren't you Moses, the stutterer who went on to be the greatest leader of the Jewish people? Or why weren't you Rabbi Akiva, the uneducated Jew until age 40, who became the leading rabbi of his generation? Or why weren't you Herzl, the secular Jew who led the way for the Jewish return to Israel after 2,000 years? Or why weren't you Frederick Douglass, the slave who taught himself to read and write and speak out powerfully and effectively against slavery? Or why weren't you Andrew Carnegie, a poor immigrant who succeeded in business and donated nearly all his profits to charities benefiting society? No, Zuzia wasn't afraid of any of those questions. He knew the angels wouldn't ask him that. He was afraid of the question they would ask. Why weren't you Zeusia? Why weren't you everything you could have been? Each of us will stand in Zeusia's place one day. How do you answer that question? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Acknowledge that we can't control everything. God, grant me the courage to change the things I can. Acknowledge that we can control ourselves through teshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah. Let it slide and change the inside. Paul Simon closes his song with, Well, God only knows. God makes his plan. The information's unavailable to the mortal man. We're working our jobs, collecting our pay. Believe we're gliding down the highway, when in fact, we're swift sliding away. Avi, though I'm always nervous when you explore the slides by yourself, I want you to. I want to influence you, but I also want you to be independent. I'm going to be nervous the whole time, but go on. Do the slides, go to school, the sweepover, the overnight camp, the bar mitzvah, the high school. You can even take the car, go to college, and find a job and spouse. I want you to do them and make them your own. Go ahead and explore the, the slides, even the biggest ones. And to all of us, it's never too late to change. The high holidays are a moment, the moment, to pause and start over. There's a saying, when one door opens, sorry, when one door closes, another opens. That's a lie. That's not really true. The door doesn't open up by itself. You've got to do it. The saying should be, when one door closes, open another door. You are Zeusia. You have the key. What door do you open? Shana Tova.